0: hi guys um as you know I'm Alex I'm from Kaiku and really glad to be joined here today from Carl from uh, joining dots um, I've known Carl since last September now and really got to get involved in terms of Carl's networks and grab a little bit of of attention and learn really what Carl's focus has been on building communities and working with others and more more or less facilitating a load of partnerships and really great um, opportunities since I've known him and really been wanting to have a chat publicly for some time about what you've been doing on the community side and so much so during the current times that we're facing um, and how that can translate for businesses, adapting models and recognising if you're building an effective community or not. Um, so what would be great to start off with, Carl, if you could just give us a little bit of background about yourself, what you do, joining the dots, and we can go from there.
1: Brilliant. Yeah, thanks a lot for that, Alex. Amazing how time, time goes. <laughs> it was a different world when we first met. I mean, we were it still at a Zoom, call, but uh, you know, we, I think the path ahead looks a little bit more uh, straightforward than than the the jumping about that we're all doing now but um, it's great to to, to be invited on this and yeah we we, we connected actually it's interesting how we even connected that's an example of how you know these these circles around circles or everybody's networks are now they flow very very easily and and, and nicely and then i think i've just formalized that actually um, because i've always been someone who's been a connector and a you know a dot joiner. I call my network joining the dots for a reason. Um, so you know, we we knew uh, the guys at Sage City, and I was already. I think one of the things has always been, you know, this this idea of I've my background's always been with pioneering entrepreneurs. You know, people who like to live at that sort of cutting edge of things, creating kind of new new versions of things that make the old versions look obsolete and so on. So, so Thomas said "City put us together, thought we were kindred spirits, and then true enough when we spoke, I think one of the, th- the fascinating things about you and I was that we understood that we were already building networks, but actually one of the things that I found very interesting in, in my past with blockchain as well is some of the power is in the, you know, that great word interoperability, You know, there's lots of people out there who have got great networks. We all know that from having our LinkedIn networks now, but it's like, I've, I find one of the great powers is when you can find someone else with a network and leverage that network. And, you know, we've sent, it's almost like we've had little tunnels between KQ and joining the dots where we've, you know, we've just basically been able to help our networks, i.e. startups that are looking for, you know, traditionally money, but also maybe customers. And, you know, we, we have that, that tunnel where we sometimes push our startups up and down that. And so, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm very much around that, that sort of background of, of working in emerging tech, 25 years, um, got into the web, got into blockchain in, in their sort of fairly early stages. And now my network is very much focused. I, I, I wanted to, to give it a bit of a, a narrow focus because I know I've always spent time with data-driven companies. Um, I spent five and a half years with, uh, building the community. Actually, another network at the Open Data Institute, which was set up by Tim Berners-Lee, and that meant that I, I met a lot of businesses that were doing stuff, clever stuff with data, and then building bridges around data innovation with corporates as well. So that was one big network that I kind of built. And then, you know, when you've been around 20 years and doing sales, you meet a lot of people, and you always kind of, you know, click with certain, certain, you know, pioneers. So, so within my network, it's data. But also, you know, AI, fintech, blockchain, and what I call nature tech, which is, I've already got a bit of an agriculture cluster, so ag tech, but also, you know, where's the technology that's in harmony with nature, the technology that's based on the principles of nature, um, as well as clean tech and energy tech. And actually when when me and a guy uh, who became a new, you know, a new, I don't want to use the word comrade, but you know, a new like-minded entrepreneur. Um, he he and I were just bouncing off each other and we came up with this term nature tech to cover all of those sort of scenarios. Because I think really what gets me up in the morning is from having worked in, in the data space and the tech space for a long time, I'm aware that if we keep going in the way that we're going with some of this stuff, you know, particularly around things like smart cities, we're just building a lot of techies. And I mean that in the broadest sense. Know that a lot of this tech can be and is being applied. If you stitch it all together, into building a surveillance state of some form. You know, AI can be good, or it can map and mo- monitor us and keep us under some sort of thumb. Um, same with facial recognition. Same with you know all these different things. So, so I tend to connect with a lot of entrepreneurs who are creating what I feel are are the you know the impactful alternatives to some of that stuff you know blockchain isn't the answer to everything and it's not only going to be built for good stuff but i think a lot of people who got drawn to things like blockchain tend to have this idea that they want to you know make a better world and and so i kind of you know i like to think that i can help Humanity more by helping a lot of different entrepreneurs to actually go off and do stuff.
0: I think that's exactly it It's collaboration or competition and as you say in terms of what we've been trying to do I think you know with the boys at Sage City, I think just before crisis and everything last event We did was in Edinburgh with them co-hosted with them. So, um, I think, you know, it's testament to what things can turn out to anyway Um, so, you know really glad to see how that's moved on You know when we talk about community as you say you've been doing it for a long time, you know data driven but you know a range of uh, you know industries you've been in do you would you say that there are there are a number of underlying premises a number of underlying factors that really stick out for you when building a community from you know from the outset and you know if so how easy is it to translate to new businesses starting if they want to build a community and how can people interpret that
1: yeah that's a good question and i you might need to remind me of the second part of that because it was almost like I was getting, you know, quite <laughs> immersed in the first part and then you were like, give me the second day, I was like, oh, right, there's quite a lot to cover there. Um, okay, so if we if take, you know, the idea of community and what what maybe up from my experience have, have been some of the things that make them work well or what are, what are some of the things that, that can be, you know, things to bear in mind definitely, that, that yeah. could be problematic. And it, it touches on the first word you you said back to me just now around collaboration. I think, you know, we all, we all know even, you know, big businesses now, they all know like, you know, there's a benefit in collaborating with smaller companies that can be agile and they can almost like feed off. Um, people know that there's other businesses out there that often I think one of the, one of the things that's definitely driven my community building is I often see businesses who are sometimes look like they're doing similar things because of this like-minded nature. And, and therefore, you know, there's this, this real sweet spot, which I think is particularly easy to find, you know, a, a flow to, which is those two companies they're they're coming at something from, you know, they're trying to solve maybe the same problem in a way, but they've got a slightly different approach or, you know, so in, in, Classic terms these days, AI or data or fintech would be certain areas that really seem to have a lot of crossover. I' come up across that all the time like so say for example, I know a lot of uh, you know companies who do AI solutions or build websites and apps and so on but I in my mind when i 'm thinking about my community, I know okay if someone who needs something like that, if they have a very data heavy you know need for say predictive data analytics or you know they, they're very heavy in um, wanting to do predictive modeling maybe they're doing an e-commerce site or something they need to do a, a recommendation engine then there's a business that does very strong phds in data ana- analytics um, in case anyone's out there and wants to know about them you know they're called SCAIN, um, skein s-k-e-i-n um, so i would think about them but then similarly there's another company who might be doing more specialist mobile apps and then they would be, um, you know, a company like, say, for example, mobile they are really good at driving loads of adoption on certain apps where they did one for the golf community in um, one of the European countries. And basically they got more downloads than there were golfers in the country because it was just, you know, using has been it's, done you know, right then, hasn't it? <laughs> You know, they, they had the golfing association in the country and they ended up getting more than the golfers. Wow. So, you know, I think this is one of the things about communities is, you know, when I was a kid, I used to, before I wanted to do the alphabet, I was doing puzzles and I love seeing how things slot together. So number one is, okay, there's going to be this easy stuff of, and, and I think culturally, you know, you and I understand collaboration and are drawn to that concept some people are a bit more risk averse or they're a bit more hesitant it's not risk averse it's more hesitant to i think this is on a human level actually they're less trusting you might have a a more skeptical more just a more cautious mindset about you know revealing you know that we all know that this is the old way business used to be done like you know we've got some special magic sauce you know and we're not going to share that and and we're going to dominate and beat our competition because we've got something that we've worked out that they haven't yeah. competitive advantage first mover advantage so number one it's like okay eyes open for you know i mean what you guys are doing what i'm doing in some ways we could see it as competitive but we've never felt like we're competing no. because at, at a fundamental level we're thinking about not what you and i are trying to do on a daily daily basis but what we're trying to achieve for all those people out there that we're trying to serve and we know that actually combining forces totally helps Strengthens everyone's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. and we find where those sweet spots are, where we've got things that you're doing that maybe I'm not or vice versa. And then we, then we're off to the races. And that's the principle. That I think is, is a really super easy one that can get things going. And then alongside that, the, the cluster idea of, you know, like I said, uh, we were chatting earlier, you know, I've, I've got a an agriculture cluster, they just seem to appear when I was at Open Data Institute and now in joining the Dots, where there's a bunch of people who do stuff around agriculture, for whatever reason, I've magnetized that. And again, so you look for what's, you know, what does the market, this is a good entrepreneur story anyway, that everybody kind of gets told, it's like, when we get agile, when we, you know, iterate what we're doing, even now, and Sugar, Sugar used to talk about this, you know, it's like, Go to the cash and carry buy some stuff when he was a market store trader what's selling you know what are people asking me for and then being able to really get that feedback and then you know understand that that's something that maybe you want to build more of you know if, if a load of agriculture people are finding what i'm doing useful then maybe i'm going to go out and find more agriculture people so i think there's always that thing of looking for the clusters so you're not trying to because i've seen this a lot with when marketplaces you know, you've got the buyers and the sellers. If you're too spread too thinly, it can be very difficult to get any value for anybody because obviously in these networks, one of the things we're often trying to stimulate is connections and, you know, business in one form or another to be done. And if that means people are spread too thin, that's really one of the fundamental reasons why I've got, you know, the thing I said earlier about data and AI and fintech, etc. because then when I go to investors, I only bring them that therefore my investor community, I'm going to only really onboard startups that fit that. Yeah. And then as I grow it more, everything keeps getting more and more, like it starts to come together more and more and actually gets deeper so that anyone who ever gets interested in what I'm up to, I deliberately said data earlier because, you know, I've got, I've got such, such a long background in that now and, and a good network. So as soon as somebody who's got a data proposition, some form you know thinks about that they go great you know and you know we can have a conversation now i don't know what, I, what, what your second part of your question was but uh i mean there's there's that and, and i suppose there are some roadblocks which i've kind of covered a bit anyway and you know, you've got to avoid dilution
0: I, th- I mean actually i think in terms of bridging that question a little bit because i think a lot of those points are actually touched on is you know you, we can all take the classic airbnb story of identifying crazy and you know finding community to be able to go in How easy or hard would you say it is for new companies that are starting and you know as you say you see a wide range of things coming through to you nowadays to actually build up a um, specific community that they want to be able to work with and then actually hone and work with them How, how would you recommend going about that
1: yeah it's interesting wording isn't it because you've described the word community and I think we all know what that means and the, the second thought that popped into my head when you said that was okay how different is that to you know in classic sales terms a pipeline which is effectively a community of sorts mm. it's a grouping of companies now they obviously what you're saying is a community that then has some interconnectedness around it itself rather than a pipeline which generally doesn't speak to each other so obviously what you're talking about is something which they can nurture where there's an evident benefit in people that they know you know, the, the kind of peer-to-peer knowledge sharing and mastermind, hive mind. How easy is it? I mean, obviously the first thing that comes to my mind is, well, not obviously, but you know, we've always, I think particularly when we, you know, you and I both speak to a lot of founders who are busy, right? You know, it's so much to juggle. So I think there's always this, this ideal sweet spot of if a founder can do as much as possible, that is their core, stuff you know particularly when they're a founder you know it's like the real strategizing and the vision and thinking and so on and and leverage things that are other people already specialized in building so if there are other communities and i'm not i, I know i might be biased as i verbalize this but i think it's the right point let's see how I, when i say it whether, whether we've got any other thoughts but you know if other people are spending their whole time and their their speciality is building communities well why not become a part of other communities that are you know, talking to their language and, and not trying to overly, you know, cause I think what a founder, if I try and put myself in their mindset or even, you know, the marketing people or community managers within businesses, they're often thinking about, okay, we need to, you know, get people warmed up and, 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 and let them get some initial value by joining a community that, that we will create and, and curate. And, and, but I think, you know, because of some of what I said earlier about, you know, when you're building a community, you've got to get the balance right. You've got to, you know, nurture, you've got to, you know, then, you know, some of this stuff, It, I get I get knocks on the door on LinkedIn all the time, you know, and many of those people actually, you know, they're, they're doing pretty well at, at finding me for some reason of relevance, you know. Um, so as with this stuff, I think it's probably number one, I would say is like, think about what, what, and that might not be, you know, only one version of things. So there might be networks that are already built, but there also might be just a case of talking to someone who's built a network and maybe not even joining that, but but leveraging that individual founder. Um, you know, and there might be something that can happen from that. They might decide, all right, I'll make five introductions for you because I've worked out that you really need to speak to these five companies. So, you know, and then build build them into your own thing. But then it comes down to this thing of, how are you going to scratch the other person's back in in return? Right. And, and normally, you know, any entrepreneur out there, there's, there's just a fundamental way that, you know, yes, there is karma and and law of cause and effect. So you can do a good turn to someone. And actually the theory goes that when people do something of value, when somebody receives that, they feel obliged actually to return it in some way anyway. So, um, you know, that there's, I think that that's actually a, you know, I wrote to someone earlier on today who runs the Startups Association and I was very aware that there may be a number of different ways that we could decide to help each other but I'm sure there's going to be a way we can help each other and that's about you know a conversation which is a back and forth. Um, yeah.
0: And to try and bring it I suppose back to you know current times and everything like that at the moment there's you know there's been a lot of talk of And, you know, rightfully, we have to in terms of trying to work with local communities and readjust how we're, you know, engaging with users and participants and whoever we've built relationships with before. Where do you think the balance strikes between, obviously, you don't want to go out there all the time during, you know, current period and sell, sell, sell. That's not always the right way to do it. But you want to be able to be, you know, rightfully get the right support out. You can have a cost base that you have to meet at the end of the day. And, you know, you want long-term relationships to come from this, and you know naturally people do that well. But where do you strike to balance with that? And I mean, for any industry at that point, that's trying to build up, you know, a community, be it through social or be it through a platform. Do you, do you think there's a the right balance there?
1: Yeah, well, I suppose I think you know what you were touching on there is just I mean, you know, obviously everybody's got their money issue, right? So if if there are businesses where they've got an ability to get the basics ticking along then there's always this this opportunity you know whether it's about pivoting or strategizing or um, building communities or building long-term relationships i think all of those things are are great you know it's a great time to be to be doing that and as always with these things i think yeah you i think you use the word balance there's a balance between that and also selling uh and you know, finding maybe, you know, where are those, I mean, even some of the stuff I'm doing about building my investor networks, I'm I'm having those long-term discussions around, okay, you know, I know that there's going to be, you know, more and more of these mid and long-term things, but I've also got an eye on the short-term and what can I do that's going to, you know, potentially drop in the, in the, in the next three months or whatever, um, because, you know, and I think that's something that people have to just, um, you know, find their own, Once, I suppose yeah it's focus in it and, and sometimes it's it's pretty it has to be pretty cutthroat I mean uh, I remember when COVID hit and and it was just that thing of. I remember in the first couple of weeks it was like oh my god this is really going to focus the mind on because I've been you know a coach and you know talking to people about focus and organization prioritization for years and, and I just thought Jesus, this is really going to focus the minds of people mm. or businesses that haven't got You know, businesses that haven't got a real evident value proposition of real hardcore value are going to be questions, you know, and and some of them are going to fall by the wayside. So, you know, some of this stuff just doesn't, it's business as usual, but it's just more, uh, even more clinical really.
0: And I suppose as part of that, a big part is feedback and making sure that you're getting feedback, be it from partners, affiliates. You know social media or whatever your product is at the end of the day so how would you say that you feed that back into your proposition your delivery and and what you're putting out there because you know more than ever that's more critical than you know than we've ever seen
1: yeah i suppose three things come to mind one is you know that that idea of doing the strategizing you know um surveys you know can be a great way of just a very quick one and even i was talking to someone in my network the other day you know black and they they've written a good report about from chaos to clarity where they recommend you know you, there's four different types of approaches to dealing with covid 19 and, and pivoting and thinking about all these different things but you know a strategy can be done in in a couple of hours or half an afternoon um, it doesn't have to be you know a whole week um and so and similarly, a survey could be, I get really fed up, to be honest, That uh, every single business that I seem to do business with, um, you know, particularly on a consumer level, they write me a survey. As soon as I put the phone down, so like, you know, a customer service team, they send me a survey. It's become like the norm that everybody asks me for a survey. It's one of those ones you get
0: on the phone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, um, and I, I, of course, I don't answer them 99.9% of the time, but they still send them. And it's like, so, you know, if you're going to do a survey, maybe you know an actual tailored email to some handful of people. But actually, you know that you know you know. Sometimes I think it was Seth Godin talked about tribes. And it's interesting for yeah. community. Perspective. Yeah. If anybody's seen the book, tribes, it's a good one to to look at because they talk about your inner circle, where you've basically got people who you know are your champions. They they probably spend more money, you know, you've got that 80, 20 thing, 20% of your clients probably spend 80% of the money that you receive. And so that inner circle is your core. And then you've got another circle just outside that they know you, they've done a bit of business, you hope they might do some more. And they keep getting less and less attached you through to an outer circle where they know of you, They've heard of your name but they haven't really uh, ever interacted with you and stuff so how do you get people magnetized into more and more of that in, in a circle and and so actually if you already know there's five people in your inner circle and there's 10 people on your second tier then what about if you wrote to you know you actually crafted a different email for your five and a different email for your 10 and you decided i'm not going to write to everybody else or maybe you send a different type of survey to the, the wider community but you keep it really short Um, but obviously with an email it doesn't feel like it's a survey but and in that email this is one thing that I think is very uh, useful is if you combine a couple of questions that you want to ask in terms of getting feedback with something else of value you want to give them to make it feel like it's a valuable email in the sense of you're probably giving more than you're receiving anyway so maybe there's a link that you know that would be of interest to that person yeah. or maybe there's something else you know so so what you want to get to is a point where every time that somebody sees your emails in their inbox they actually look forward to receiving them because it's like oh I wonder what he's gonna to share today I love his emails you know rather than please I really want to you know in COVID-19 we're very careful about our customers and as we, we really get getting want- from supermarkets okay. yeah. Oh Jesus! You and everybody else, mate. I've got, I've got my business to run.
0: See you later. You know. I suppose on that though, are there any simple tools, you know, really simple ones, even be in terms of tracking or engagement that you use or you'd recommend for people to be able to, you know, work, you know, realize those opportunities and realize where the engagement lies.
1: Well, I mean, you know, doing a survey. I mean, I've just used the old survey. The basic as that, yeah. The basic as that, uh, and. I'm a bit <laughs> I do use you know I have kept up with the modern world and I do use different tools but you know I, I I'm a bit of a fan still of email just because um it's so you it's and I both of, it's all right <laughs> yeah no I mean I think you know one of the things that I'm aware of is you know if you look at people say for example particularly in like you know big companies and the CEOs and senior people because one of the things I do is like you know I mean I use LinkedIn a lot um, but one of the things I'll do is if I want to write, say I'm doing a cold bit of, uh, you know, writing to somebody in, in terms of sales activity, it could be used for other things as well. Um, I'll often just spend that little bit of time, okay, maybe I've found the person on LinkedIn, but rather than sending them a little message on LinkedIn, I might do that, but I wouldn't do an email. Um, I think email's is horrible, um, but I would just spend a little bit of time trying to do a bit of detective work to work out what their email is, um, and then write them an email, because, a lot of people who get to senior positions in big companies, they know how to manage their inbox. They just do, right? And um, so, and actually, a lot of salespeople and a lot of startups, I think they they prefer. Sometimes people go for the the quickest, fastest route. And you know, LinkedIn does work as well. I know that a quick, punchy message, as long as that punchy message is really to the point and it's genuinely a good idea, like that can work. I'm not kicking that because I, I use that but you know, a, a three line email on, on three line email, um, using a, a point that demonstrates some- properly research. researched, yeah. Research, you know, and 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 just, I think rather than tools, there's another little tip that I picked up from someone on social media a while back, which I always have a bit of an eye on, which is an interesting one, because it's actually a big point about sales and how we go out into the world in general. It's the use of the word I, so if you look at emails that people, any, I encourage anybody who's listening to this, when you receive any emails now, just analyse how many times people use the word I when they're writing to you. Now, of course, you know, y- you know, we all kind of have a certain level of etiquette, right? So we might start an email saying, "I hope you're well in, t- in these crazy times," or I, you know, "I hope your family are doing okay," or "I hope you, you know, you 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 had a good holiday," or whatever. That's the first time that they say, I, but there's a bit of a debate as to whether you should or shouldn't do that. But one of the points is if you look at some of the other ones, this is what people do in general when, when they're doing, uh, you know, slides or whatever is people, people want to talk about their business. So they come from the perspective of their business. So if you, there'll be the name of their business rather than the name of the person they're writing to's business. If you, if you receive an email and the first word is the name of your own business subliminally, and this is done on a very subconscious subtle level, but it it really makes a difference apparently. If you scan over an email and it's got I, 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 you're going to see that in one way. If If it says company name, if it refers, I often put, you know, if I know that they say, for example, they've spoken at an event and they did a talk with a particular topic, as the title, I might put that title as the subject of the email. And I know that that will, it will straight away, make a connection with their brain, like their neural network, because they'll, they'll know this guy knows that talk that I did. Therefore he's not just some random bloke. And you know, so you look for those little levers could be a name of something, could be a name of their product. Even just a simple one is mention their company name company name came up on my radar recently because someone put in a good word about it, or it it looked like it was useful or relevant to X topic or Y. And, you know, you just sweeten them up a little bit. You're just demonstrating, do you know what? You're the person I'm interested in, not me. Um, So I think that's just probably a, rather than roll out some other survey tool, which, um, or, you know, other engagement tool. I think those are the kind of little things to look for.
0: But it's really interesting you say that, and I think what that takes me back to is this whole notion of impact, and you know what you've been talking about in terms of actually, you know, the joint event we went to, um, the Impact the Seventeen Club, and you know, I think that actually wrapped everything nicely together. I think if if you've got that sorted and you've you've done your research and people recognise that you've actually taken a genuine interest, that impact comes through, and you know, I think that definitely sustains with the communities and with the conversations that you're going to have. there I mean in terms of everything we've looked over I think you know there's a really good process there that we've looked through in terms of building up that community identifying it and you know trying to get through these times and you know into the the future once we get beyond this but is there anything else in terms of impact that you'd say you know I think it's really good that we said we recognize that through research but beyond that how we come across and how we don't become too overbearing and how we become remembered?
1: Yeah that's good because I I think uh, you mentioned that and I didn't quite answer that that piece um about yeah just how not to be overbearing um well yeah I mean some of it is just really you know it's this empathy thing you know what is in the minds of the the people we're talking to and and how can we how can we help genuinely you know when we think through you know strategizing in one way can be about the messaging obviously of of how do I think if we're really um genuine in our intentions okay how do we I mean just even in our big vision of what what we're trying to achieve, you know, like what, what we're trying to do. And then, you know, if we are operating in a certain space, we know that we could, you know, if we can go and think through, you know, what is the value I could bring to this company? Um, and then uh, there's a way of wording that. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say there's only one way because I think when, when we genuinely are coming from the position of service and helping that company, and we, I think the test is if we can in our minds, simplify that down, And challenge ourselves to really you know articulate that value proposition or that point in such simple terms you know I think um, this might be a bit controversial but you know Donald Trump love him or loathe him he's amazing at engaging people basically I mean he's you know he couldn't have got voted into the presidency without you know he does so many different little techniques you know puts his hands out and stuff. I think he's doing like pretty much hypnotism. I know a lot of people kind of learn, you know, all these different techniques and stuff. And, and you know, he's, I've noticed he says stuff twice. But what he also does is he says stuff in really, really simple language. He never talks in jargon. He just, you know, it's all like big and grand and all that. But it's simple, simple, simple language. And I think this is really the thing is like, if we can make a simple point and if we can challenge ourselves in the preparation to make that value proposition as simple in our minds, then we feel really connected to it. And then I think naturally, you talked at the beginning of this actually, I think just before we go on the call, we talked about the word flow. I think that's so important. Then naturally the the approach almost- They're Associating themselves up. with that group. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes like you know. I think people, you know, uh, I was talking about this on one of the Jordan dots calls recently. Is is just, you know, how do you approach someone on LinkedIn? Because I think people were getting a bit frustrated with the idea that somebody, you know, in the in the first few weeks of it, people were like straight away, oh, I'm really hoping you're you're well, and then they'd launch straight into the sales pitch that they would have done anyway in in normal times, and even in that. I I think there's still a case for that. You know, I think, but as if it's, what we're saying is that the old sales way was, you know, you've just got to get your sales approach effective in general. I think people understand that there's a, you know, it's just good sales best practice, pre-COVID, post-COVID, it's the same. And it's just even more heightened now. We've just got to be empathetic. And I think actually, this is a mega point that I think, you know, if anyone takes away one thing from this, encourage them to think about this uh, how long are our messages that we put in front of people you know particularly when we're writing to somebody who hasn't met us before i would say you know never go above five lines um you know on a first email uh if it's a linkedin you know one line should be enough um you know just really be very conscious because entrepreneurs and founders i know we both (laughs) we know a lot of know, kind of early stage entrepreneurs. And there's that element of, you know, I was saying it to somebody else the other day, it's like, you know, you're working on your first or second album here, right? In music terms, that's the most creative part of the process. It's the most energizing part of any band or startup, really. And so there's a lot of energy and passion that is waiting to be (laughs) unleashed and does get unleashed, right? But whenever I get approached by people, and and, and if it's on particular LinkedIn, I just chuckle because some you know, really passionate entrepreneur, will just hit me with like this really, really long message. And I've never, I haven't even connected to them on LinkedIn. And I just laugh because I think, okay, you put yourself in my shoes and how many emails do we get? What's gonna give me the reason that I'm gonna spend that long on that much content? I don't care how good it is. You have just demonstrated you know, a whole load by how long you've put your message. So I think, you know, we we really kind of, you know, I mean, Jesus, investors, you know, when they, they, how many decks do they have to look at? Investor feedback was always, look, make your deck interesting. Like, don't follow just all the rules. Yes, you've got to get the big basics in there. Make it up, like say something that people aren't going to enjoy. You know, even I'm saying Donald Trump, I mean, that's not particularly, uh, you know, whatever but you know at least it ruffles a bit of like oh what's us talk about donald trump now you know that's not very interesting
0: <laughs> <laughs> i think that's impact but uh, carl that's great really really do appreciate that i think we've gone we've covered a lot <laughs> so yeah. and that's what we want people to get out of this so um but really enjoyed that so thank you so much for coming on if anyone wants to find out any more details it's is it joining the dot, dot network is that it
1: yeah that's the website and then uh, just get in touch with me on carl at joiningadults.com
0: and i suppose actually a point is if they reference they've listened to you on this that's actually a point to get into if they want to start a conversation there so
1: yeah or just find me on linkedin you know to kick it off and just please send me a short message
0: (laughs) perfect likewise and if anyone wants to find any more details out about kaiku it's k-a-i-k-u.co but uh carl really enjoy this so thanks very much again and uh we'll pick up really soon
1: thanks a lot alex enjoyed it